The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. Today on our show, we're focusing on the work of Human Access Project. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour. I am talking to uh, Willie Levinson. Are you the, you know, I didn't even check. You're the executive director, right? Is that-, that is incorrect. I am the ringleader. The ringleader. One word with a capital R. That is my <laughs> official IRS title. It's not I, what I've nicknamed myself. It is not what I go as. I am legally the ringleader of Human Access Project. Um, I, you know, I knew that. So as soon as executive director started to come out of my mouth, I knew it was wrong. Willie, I think you have the uh, the the honor, the privilege, the uh, the disgrace. Uh, of being the first person interviewed for a trifecta on the nonprofit happy hour. Congratulations. All right. What does that mean? Nothing, nothing. It means, <laughs> well, it means you're, it means you're active. It means you're active. It means that um, I love what the human access project does and I love the implications for the city. Um, so with that, that, that T-ball set up, uh, tell us what you do, knock it out of the park. Well, um, Human Access Project, the mission of our organization is transforming Portland's relationship with the Willamette River. Our vision is simply a city in love with its river. And we look to creative ways to get people to care about what we're doing. Because if people did care about what we were doing, we wouldn't have to do it. So I just always think of the best teachers that I've had in my life where um, you're, they're so engaging that you're learning and you don't even realize it because you're so caught up in the teacher instructing. So I try to apply kind of that same principle to Portland to not apologize for having fun, taking full advantage of the power of water and, uh, you know, showing that it is possible to have fun and make a difference at the same time. So 11 years into this, um, I went through this process as an activist from the dirty hard work of getting a seat at the table to finally realizing that I had a seat at the table and it's time to make friends with these people I've been battling with to really feeling supported at every level of government. And it really makes the work um, a lot more satisfying because, you know, 95 to 98% of my work is getting adults to cooperate with each other. So, you know, being able to have some level of trust with the different people that I work with um, just facilitates things happening. Yeah, and, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be reductivist here. Um, I think when, uh, at least when I talk to people about the Human Access Project, um, the easiest way that I hook people, as I say, they host the big float. Right. That was our foray into activism. So the the big float is, is right along with everything I said. It is a movement disguised as a party. It is a way to trick kids into eating their vegetables. So, you know, that was the platform uh, that we started with. And really the big float existed before Human Access Project. Um, and as we continued doing our work, uh, more, uh, it, 
it's I had this little page on my website of the, the big float that was called Human Access Project. And a prospective board member one time actually was a member of the, the Zydell family. We we're walking around Zydell Yards. And he said, you know, I checked out your website, this, this thing, Human Access Project, that's really interesting. Uh, if you ever did something more with that, that would be, uh, that would be cool. And I was like, wow, you actually took the time to look at my website. And I was just like, yeah, that's just this kind of idea. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another and people kept encouraging me to start a nonprofit because they felt nobody else was really doing, had the voice that we had uh, with what we wanted to do to connect people to the river and the way that we do. So that um, I felt really scared about doing it. And I decided to lean into it and figure out what was making me scared. And uh, yeah, 11 years later, it's cool. I mean, I'm really proud of all we've been able to accomplish, both from a physical touching the physical landscape from um, the cultural transformation that's slowly happening about how people relate to and talk about the river. Um, it's all very satisfying and cool. No, I mean, I think in, in, in 10, 10 years, 11 years, uh, the visual difference, you know, when I go over the Hawthorne Bridge uh, and I see that dock filled with, you know, a lot of teenagers, but, you know, with teenagers, uh, just having summertime, it's remarkable. I mean, I've that 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 was the dock that I used to row from, and there was nobody there but the ducks. Right. And <laughs> it did that difference is is remarkable. And we're going to get into some of the beaches that you've helped uh, get moving. Um, I want to hover a little bit longer on the big float. Now there is no big float this year. Is that correct? We didn't do it last year. We didn't do it this year. We're going to be back for twenty twenty two. But, you know, at first last year, I really felt a responsibility to take it as far as I could before we were going to cancel it. And we uh, offered an opportunity for people to do the big float on your own, TBF, OIO. And what's funny is I did actually show up. I, it felt somewhat demoralizing because I, I just was expecting kind of no one to be there. But there was one other person. It was me, my wife, one other person showed up at Poets Beach. It was really hilarious. Like I literally did the big float on my own. And then, <laughs> then uh, you know, I looked across the river. There were some other people who I feel like were kind of getting in in spirit. But, you know, COVID's happened. And just speaking as an activist, because I know that, you know, your audience is either activists, aspiring activists that, I mean, it was through the period of COVID that I realized that I was experiencing burnout, both as the ringleader of human access project running the big float and it was just it's been a really good opportunity just to think about how i'm going to move human access project forward by making sure that i'm focused on the activities that recharge my batteries and, uh, and create the systems that allow um, the programs we've developed to continue more independently and so, so, so any of our listeners who are new to town, who don't know what the big float is, uh, it starts at Poets Beach, which is a beach that uh, you, Human Access Project, uh, helped clean well, up. Well, it uh, actually starts at Tomacall Bowl. So okay. it's, it starts at Tomacall Bowl. We then have an inner tube parade led by generally a marching drum corps or brass band. We march from Tomacall Bowl to Poets Beach. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. So, the parade's so just, an important part of the float. Just the geography of that. So Tomacall uh, Bowl is, is just uh, on the west side of the Hawthorne Bridge and south. And so you guys march south down. Uh, and Poets Beach is, is just north of the, the southwest towers there. 
uh, where, where like the Marriott and some of the hotels are. So you guys pop into the beach, pop in there and we're talking 1500 people. Well, yeah, I mean, two years, the last year we did it in 2019, 4,000 people came, uh, 2018, 5,000 people came. The big float is always and forever in mother nature's control. So, you know, we have a nice hot sunny day and a good hot week leading up to it. We're going to have really good numbers. If the numbers are so, so we'll have less. So that's, that's just part of, you know, the fun of planning the big float, you know, an outdoor wedding for 5,000 people with, you know, um, you know, you just have to roll with what mother nature gives you, including, you know, if there was lightning or something would have to cancel it. Fortunately, that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a noisy, colorful affair. And, and um, I mean, it's, I see it as a few things. I mean, I see it as a celebration. I see it like you just called it a wedding. Um, I see it as a chance for people to get over their fear of the river. And, and a number of people still are fearful of the river, whether that's pollution or the boats that are going down there. Um, you know, and then it's just, just to show off that this is fun. You know, if you go to, let's, let's take Bend, for example, any given weekend, any given day in Bend, you have people floating down the Deschutes. And, and there is a real feature of that city, um, you know, and, and so this is Portland. Um, Portland has a lot of boat activity on the river, but it doesn't necessarily have a lot of that uh, flesh to water, shall we say, activity. And that seems to be what you guys are bringing. Um, I want to keep talking about how COVID uh, affected the Human Access Project, because a lot of what you're doing is trying to bring people together in a community. And obviously that was, was not allowed. Um, but before we do, absolutely. But let me just talk about what you were saying with the big float. So based on our surveying, 70% of the people who participate in the big float, it's their first time in the river, you know, 70% said that they had a good experience and would come back. Um, and, you know, in terms of bend, you know, it's it, the state of the Willamette, you know, when Willamette, when, Portland was developed, there was a singular focus on maximizing the river for industry. People were absolutely left behind. So when it comes to retrofitting access for people, it is a retrofit. And, you know, retrofitting something is a lot more expensive than if you're able to integrate it into a plan from when you start. So it takes a certain amount of creativity to remember that the Willamette is a river. You know, it's not, does not have the intimacy of the Deschutes River. So it, it's not, and culturally, you know, the work of our organization is cultural change. So, you know, again, it's uh, kind of the cafeteria effect that there's a social dynamic that when people are hanging out in a certain space, I think more people are inclined to go there. So when you see this big old empty river, it's kind of intimidating sometimes to be the first person to show up. That's why it's been so important to create people spaces at the river that are also compatible with habitat. So, um, you know, the big float to me, you know, Pete Seeger, um, you know, river activist, incredible person, obviously, you know, an inspiration to a lot of environmentalists. Something that I took from him that resonated with me was that he said, you know, when I sing my songs in a concert, I want people to sing along because I want them to participate. You know, I just don't want to sing to them. I want them to participate. So when I started the big float, somebody approached me and said, you know, Big float, access to the river is a good idea. You should do a petition. I said, petition is very passive. Anybody can sign a petition. The big float is a petition signed by your ass in the water. 
it is action. You know, it's, you know, it's people showing up and demonstrating that this is what they want to see. It is the big float is an actualization of, of what Portland can look like. So, you know, to me, it lifts up three groups simultaneously. It is a movement disguised as a party. Once people get in, their relationship with the Willamette is immediately transformed and they become somebody who can be an ambassador for the Willamette. For, you know, City Hall, they see 5,000 voters on the water. All of a sudden, it gives us a platform and more validity when it comes to saying this is something that people want. Because it's one thing to say this is something that people want. This is the demonstration. This is something that people want. And then the corporate community, we seek sponsorship. So it's really helpful to be able to get them involved in, in this uh, movement. So you can, it lifts all of these groups at the same time. I, so I, I, with, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to give uh, a just question. I still comment have. and a question, and then we're going to get to a song because you've set it up a little bit with Pete Seeger here. The comment is Ted Wheeler does deserve a shout out here because one of the last times that I was in the in the river swimming with you guys, which was a few years ago, he was there right along. We swam stroke for stroke across the river. And that's pretty flipping cool to have your mayor uh, in a swimsuit uh, swimming across the river. And and for, for whatever gruff Mayor Wheeler has, has received over the last year and a half for maybe not being uh, accessible and and that was that always sticks in my mind is that he was there in the river um, and and swam it and didn't just give a speech but swam the river and I've I've always that's really has stuck with me I mean on many levels and also for the level that the access that human access project has to uh, the political levers. Well, I mean, I have, I mean, I 100% agree with you. I mean, Ted Wheeler is a Willamette River champion and it's beyond that. I mean, when he was running uh, his first time for mayor, he reached out and said he wanted to swim his ballot across the river with the, the River Hugger Swim Team, which is another program of Human Access Project. So, you know, of course, just absolutely. But, you know, at that point, first time around, he was a major favorite. And it was kind of interesting because, again, at that time when he started, I, I feel like there's a little more balance to the conversation about um, the Willamette River as being an asset to the city than it was his first term. Every year, I feel like culturally there's some inroads on that. But, you know, there's a lot of people that might have said, well, I was going to vote for Ted, but that nutsack just jumped into the river. And I'm not going to. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, it's really. <laughs> That's that's as bad as some people's perceptions are about the Willamette River. Um, so, you know, that was cool. And then we approached him. He wanted to swim at the River Huggers again. And I said, that's cool. But, you know, it'd be really cool if we can have an open swim because the River Hugger swim team or an open water swim group, intermediate intermediate level swimming. Just thought the whole public should have an opportunity to swim with the mayor. Uh, how would you feel about, you know, doing a swim across the river? And uh, he said, yeah, yeah. So my my board chair we call him first mate, uh, Tommy Vandell. He said, well, we need a name for this. I was like, okay, what do you think? He's like, how about the first annual mayoral swim? So we ran it by him and they said, sure, let's do it. So of course we did four other mayoral swims after that. And so no mayoral swim last year, maybe one this September, but I've, I feel bad for Ted. He's in a bit of a box. It's just him doing anything that's fun is, uh, you know, he, his, his level of ability to, uh, keep his head up despite, you know, being in a position that no matter what he does, he seems to 
upset people. Um, I, I really admire that in Ted. Yeah, and, and, and I want to pick up again. I, we're going to have to get to the song here. It's really whenever we talk, it feels like the clock runs fast. Um, mm -hmm. Hey, so you mentioned something when we were talking about comparison with the Deschutes River, that idea of retrofitting uh, the Willamette. You guys have done an amazing job of finding those spots. Again, I, I, I think of right underneath um, the Hawthorne Bridge, um, you know, just thousands of people walk over that, drive over that, uh, uh, bike past it every day, and it's easy to have overlooked, but you guys found a beach there. You guys uncovered a beach there. Um, talk about that process and talk, talk about that beach a little bit. Yeah. So, um, after my second year of activism doing the big float, it occurred to me that if I was going to be an honest advocate activist, that I need to start swimming in the river more. So according to the, the Willamette river is Portland's second largest public space and natural area. It's owned by the citizens of Oregon. And according to parks and recreation, less than 5% of downtown Portland has access to the water's edge. So, um, it was difficult to find, a place to get into the river so i stumbled upon this place under the hawthorne bridge but it was cluttered with concrete chunks so um i just started swimming and i made a pile of concrete chunks thinking somebody might see this pile of concrete and say hey why is there a pile of concrete on the bank of the willamette no surprise that never happened so the next step was removing the concrete chunks i had to get permission from eight separate agencies to remove the concrete chunks and I got a yes with the stipulation that we could not use heavy mechanized equipment. So for the next four years, uh, we removed concrete chunks with inmate wordge crews and my friends. Volunteers kept it totally under the radar because it would have taken only one party to change their mind to shut us down. Um, we wound up removing 200 tons of concrete over four years. They said that we could do it but we could not use heavy mechanized equipment, these eight parties. So initially it felt like a veiled no, but uh, luckily we connected with the inmate work crews and uh, that led to uh, Mayor Hale's time funding $300,000 to investigate creating a beach park. And this past October, we got word that uh, Bureau of Environmental Services funded $18 million in their capital budget to create a beach at Audrey McCall Beach with sand. So um, you know, initially I was inspired to remove the concrete chunks. As I told the, uh, the sergeant uh, from the inmate work crew program, I want to remove the concrete chunks because it communicated to me that our city does not care about the river. Um, and, and ultimately beyond that, um, it's, it took a lot of creativity to be able to see that there was a beach under all that concrete. So it was easier to make a proposal to Mayor Hales at the time once we removed 200 tons of concrete or probably 150 tons or so uh, than to show them this beach with a bunch of concrete chunks on it and saying this is a beach. So um, that's really been the strategy of my activism is rather than going to City Hall. When I first started activism, it's funny because I actually had uh, we had an event at the Duckworth Dock last night where Commissioner Hardesty came and had a really nice visit with her but i was telling her um she was saying how it was it was nice she was saying she really appreciates you know my activism heart that you know you keep going back and hearing no 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 and she says you know i'll come back i'll come back and we'll keep talking but when i first started working in city hall my nickname for it was the temple of no so now after 11 years it feels more like the temple of maybe so or possibly well, and, and and to get an endorse to get an activist endorsement from Joanne Hardesty is a pretty high compliment. I mean, she she is she is she's logged her 
I mean, before going, you know, inside, she's logged her years, she decades. Cert she certainly has. It really meant a lot to me. That was that was very cool. So, um, yeah. So, you know, for to be able to, uh, you know, and one of the, one of the things I've definitely learned that actually. The uh, former city commissioner, Mike Lindbergh, passed on to me. He's on our board of trustees who was, was getting ready to meet with Mayor Hills regarding the funding of Audrey McCall Beach to create the beach park, doing the planning. And he, I was telling him I was feeling nervous. And he said, you know, if, if you, as, as an activist, when you're doing this stuff, you have to learn how to live with a certain level of ambiguity with everything you do. And, I, you know, now that I've done this for 11 years, I can start seeing how things line up. And, uh, you know, another, another act is famous public space activist from Seattle, I forget his name, but he said the very first step in getting a big idea done in the, in the public space is being told it's impossible. And, uh, and now let's, let's get to, uh, we've, we've buried the lead here. You guys have something coming up Saturday, August 7th, correct? That's correct. So, um, you know, we're kind of uh, taking our energy to Cathedral Park. Um, so Cathedral Park, it's a beautiful park. Uh, um, you know, it has the iconic uh, St. John's Bridge. And, um, but the beach, very similar to Audrey McCall Beach, is cluttered with concrete chunks. There's pilings on the beach. And uh, we are determined to remove all the concrete chunks from that beach. So we had our first outing in April. We removed 15 tons. Uh, this time around, we're going to be coming out with a walk-behind front loader two dumpsters. Uh, we're hoping to remove 30 tons. I think there's probably 200 tons of concrete there also. But, you know, every time you get done, the beach looks a little bit better. And it's, uh, it's particularly important because, uh, particularly in light of uh, equity, equity of proximity, uh, you know, people in North Portland deserve a beach that they feel proud of, just like people in downtown Selwood. Um, Portland, North Portland has been the dumping ground and it's been, you know, kind of the casualty of all the work in the Harbor. Um, the Superfund process is going on. We spend a lot of time working, sitting in, in meetings about Superfund, but there's a lot of talk and a lot of stuff doesn't happen. So, um, I love just being able to empower the North Portland community and people beyond the North Portland community. It's time that Portland gives a rip about North Portland. You know, it's time for everyone to chip in and not care about their own neighborhood and help make Cathedral Park Beach better. So um, we got clearance from the EPA. We got clearance from DEQ. They're removing the concrete chunks. Not only poses no threat to human health, it also is going to help them do soil sampling once they do soil sampling this fall. So removing the concrete chunks is going to allow them to do better soil testing. So once we get rid of the concrete chunks, uh, the goal is to fundraise to remove the piling so that looks like a proper beach. Uh, so if, if you have the energy to come out, would really appreciate your help because uh, it takes a lot of people to be able to remove these concrete chunks and many hands make light work and it makes it a lot more fun. So it's August 7th from 1.30 to 4 and we timed it purposely for a low tide. So we'll have good access to um, more concrete that might be underwater. Willie Levinson is the ringleader for the Human Access Project. This has been the nonprofit Happy Hour. We're going to go out on uh, your Pete Seeger, your Pete Seeger song here. It wasn't. It was actually inspired when Pete Seeger died. Um, he, uh, yeah, he died, and you learn a lot about somebody in a short period of time. And uh, you know, the Willamette River song is what it is. It was written probably seven years ago. I performed it in City Hall. 
at that point, just kind of trying to demonstrate that there is no boundaries on what I'm willing to do to move my activism forward. Um, that's part of what I've learned through uh, my time off is I'm going to start setting a few boundaries, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, if you don't like this song, this is your opportunity to write your own because the Willamette River needs more songs. But I hope you like it. Thank you, Willie. And, and I hope that you guys have a very successful cleanup for, uh, at Cathedral Park. Thank you for indulging me, Phil. It's always awesome to talk and look forward to uh, us having a chance to take a dip together. I fell into a dream one day A town where I could swim and play Loved its river just like the land The Cascade Mountains, the coast And micro beer I'm a river hugger Lemon river lover Sparkling pride makes me come alive Roll on my friend, roll on Brother, take me back to days gone by The Grand Ronde tribes and the salmon thrive No dams, barges, bridges or cars Just canoes and oars and swimming under stars I'm a river hugger, Willamette River lover. Your sparkling pride makes me come alive. Roll on, my friend, roll on. Willamette Falls, a proud number two. Outside of Niagara, no one's larger than you. Did you ever guess our river has tides? Always lowest when the full moon shines so bright. I'm a river hugger, Willamette River lover. Your sparkling pride makes me come alive. Hold on, my friend, hold on. What if years from now children cry? Asking why you and I didn't draw a line in the sand Didn't have the guts to care and take a stand I'm a river hugger, Willamette River lover Your sparkling pride makes me come alive Shine, there's work to be done. Now is the time we've already begun. So put on your suit and join the scene. Get into your river, jump in, rip city sing. I'm a river hugger, Willamette River lover. Your sparkling pride makes me come alive. Roll on, my friend. Roll on my friend, roll on The nonprofit
Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.